What is up, Brad fans? Welcome to this spontaneous episode, uh, Halloween episode, spooky. Um, we recorded on Halloween. I just threw out a message to the panel of regular, ordinary dudes who like to talk politics to see if they'd be up to, yeah, chat about, you know, the potential end of the world on Tuesday as the Americans head to their election. Uh, of course, you know, why not get in on, on the fray? Uh, so Coleman and Steve were able to to join. Um, a little, little, little less structured, we'll say, than, than what we try to do with these because there's just, I mean, there's so much to talk about. But we ended up hitting on some of the um, pathways to victory for both, uh, well, for Trump mainly and the role that the Supreme Court might play in that, some of the decisions that they've already come out and made. Um, talked a little bit about polling, uh, and then we had an interesting conversation about how to how to deal with you know the the email the the fake email story that come that came out, and you know the the decision of some social media companies to to sort of silence it or, or prevent its spread. We'll say more so than 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 silence, um, and you know platforms like Joe Rogan that were in the news because of having guys like Alex Jones and Glenn Greenwald and stuff on like right before the election. So it's, it was, that was an interesting conversation about, you know, the media and, and how to deal with, you know, the Trump tactics and all this kind of stuff. So it was, it was, it was a really fun conversation. Um, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, as always follow the show at two Brad for you on Twitter at two Brad for you on Instagram uh, to bradforyou.wordpress.com is the website. You can leave us a comment there. Uh, get in touch if you want to ask a question, you want us to cover something, you want to, you know, get your thoughts read out onto the internet on the show. We will do that. Um, also, rate, subscribe, comment wherever you're getting your podcast. That all helps us. Thank you all so much for listening. And here we go the pre election spooky Halloween show. Enjoy. All right, folks. It's it's Halloween. It's a full moon. Clocks are changing. Feels like the very earth under our feet is changing as the fate of the free world hangs in the balance. The election on Tuesday. Is that hyperbolic? I don't know. Let's find out. I have the usual cast of everyday normal guys. That's right, Coleman. I said it. Everyday normal guys, but well-informed normal guys. So having tipped my hand a little bit, you know him from the frozen north of Alberta, representing Edmonton. Coleman, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me on this very spooky politics podcast. Spooky. Yeah. But regular salt of the earth spookiness nothing too fast that's right i want to i want to stress that regular salt of the earth spookiness Mm -hmm. and and then in this in the frozen southern part of the province representing calgary steve welcome we missed you last time so i'm glad you could be here oh i missed you guys too that's actually uh seasonal right now okay well for listeners outside of canada i'm really playing up the canadian stereotypes you know the frozen north well Well, i think people I think people would like to know if the temperatures are seasonal or if they're not seasonal. And I think people <laughs> want to know that right now they're seasonal. 
I'm, I'm excited so, for the weather small talk in this. I thought we were gonna like we weren't gonna get that to the end. I'm really happy we we're just getting getting that right away. The to the the sizzle on the steak is the the small talk about the weather. Well, Love I was it. going to avoid any climate talk because I know that uh, Steve doesn't really believe that there's anything to uh, discuss there. So we'll save we'll save that for another one. Um, of course, we're here to <laughs> we're here to talk about, and this was spontaneous. So we have less of a uh, organized uh, flow of our thoughts today. But I reached out to you guys because you know it is the spookiest day of the year, and we are heading into the spookiest election that America has ever seen, at least in our lifetime. I can't speak for the nineteenth uh, and twentieth centuries as much, but what do you guys think? I mean. I'm just going to open it to you for, let's say, opening statements on like at this point, late late in the game. There's a lot of things still to, still to talk about, but what do we think? Do we, you know, is do you think most people? I guess what I'm getting at is, do you think most people ha, ha, are set in their opinions as to what they're going to vote, or is there still a surprise to be had in the last three or four days, Steve? Uh, well, I just had a list of climate uh, myths that I wanted to get into. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's, people just don't have their mind made up on climate change. So I think that's going to be the big driver. The jury's still out. Of, uh, climate talk in the last couple of days. Um, yeah, I don't know. I No, I think uh, there's some probably level of uh, indecision. I don't know how, I don't know what, I don't know what you're thinking if you're, if you're not decided, <laughs> but it's probably some level of uh, should I vote or should I not vote particularly on uh, someone who's decided not to, to support Trump. Maybe they're still undecided as to whether or not they vote at all. Or uh, if, if there's, you know, if they're going to show up or, or not, I mean, obviously like, what's the typical number of a turnout in the United States? What is it like 50% of oh, uh, eligible voters? So is it going to all of a sudden become much higher than that this year? I think time will tell, but obviously there's some people voter who, turn out to be higher. Yeah. But it'll be higher, but I mean, to what extent, right? So yeah, but yeah, obviously yeah. there's some indecision out there still. Otherwise mm-hmm. Trump wouldn't be doing a 16 uh, COVID-19 rallies, where he gets up there and says, COVID, 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 COVID. While, while people are in real time getting COVID maybe yeah. <laughs> from him, he wouldn't be holding these last 16 rallies in 14 days. If, if he didn't feel like there was some uh, last minute enthusiasm, as he likes to call it, to whip up like a mm-hmm. thick cream. Well, it seems like, I would imagine that voter turnout is is the is the thing that will drive it right now. But uh, we'll move to that in a second. Coleman, what are your just you? Know, what do you want to opening thoughts on what it what the what the race is where it's at, what it looked like? Yeah, I think I don't. I got to talk about this last time. If you're an undecided voter in the U.S., whether or not maybe you're like, you're like Barg and you're trying to decide if you're going to vote or not, but like if you say you've decided to vote <laughs> and you look at these two candidates and you don't immediately know, and I'm not saying you shouldn't vote if you feel like Donald Trump is your guy, you should probably vote for him. But like, how do you, like, there's nothing to figure out about these two guys anymore, especially on the Trump side. Like that guy is just who he is. Like there's no, there's no surprises. There's no plot twists with him. 
Like, it's just him going out and saying shitty things all the time, saying nonsense. And at this point, <laughs> if you don't know that that's for you or not, like, I don't know if, what you're doing. You're not really paying attention. I have noticed that, like, Trump seems to be kind of running out of gas in his, mm. like, his final, in his last few days, like, the, the, um, the events that he's done, his speeches are slowing down a lot. And he's not like, he's not like freewheeling like he used to. He's kind of sticking to his same repeated points over and over again. He had one speech that was like less than 30 minutes the other day. I think it was in Rochester, which is like unheard of for him. Um, and it was one of the events that they, he got really sulky because the, the local government came in and limited it to 250 people. And it just ruined his day. And you could tell in his speech that he's just like, I don't think he's having a lot of fun right now at all. This, <laughs> this is coming from a guy that clearly never really wanted to be president. Yeah. And like, this I, is just the worst for him. And we, I think he wanted to be president, but he didn't want any of the responsibility for it. And I wonder how much of the this subdued Trump that we're seeing, it was the same in the second debate, right? Like there was all this talk of like, oh, he did so much better. He was more, you know subdued or whatever uh i wonder how much of that is what you're saying coleman like his mood like he's just not that into it anymore he's upset about different things or maybe somebody on the campaign got through to him to be like hey man just keep it on the rails like for the last little bit we just need i don't know you know some i I don't think anyone's able to get through to him on anything i think one of the problems you can always see like you can tell when he has like a strategy meeting and they tell him that he's losing one demographic of voters like suburban women's a big one. Like they'll tell him like you're losing the sub- suburban women vote because he'll go out in a, a rally and just be like, suburban women love me. Why don't you <laughs> suburban women vote for me? Like he can only. The mobs are coming from the suburbs. Yeah. It's like B- Joe Biden's going to napalm the suburbs and all this. And it's like, he can only talk to like, he can't like a regular politician when they're like, you're down in this demographic. So you have to say these things to bring them back. And there's like no nuance to Trump at all. It's just coming straight out and being like, black people need to vote for me. I've done a lot for black people. Black people yeah. should vote for me. It's like there's no subtlety at all. So I love Mexicans. I eat Taco Bell all the time. Uh, Steve. Well, I can tell you that despite all this, uh, Trump is not running out of gas. He's a flatulent man. Oh, I was wondering <laughs> if that was a fart joke. <laughs> I was excited for the for the payoff. Oh shit! I don't have my soundboard hooked up for like fart noises and drum rolls. <laughs> the way he dances though and walks and stands, he does kind of have the movements of a guy who's like constantly bloated with gas. You know, well, and so, dances listen. like a man whose feet are literally nailed to the floor. Yeah, <laughs> here's the thing, and and this is, speaks more to that what you guys just said. It's I think it's a mistake to think of Trump as like a kind of a thinking human. I think he's more of just like kind of a organism, a of like a blob, a ball of gas. Yeah, he's a gas giant. And um, things like ascribing things to him like he wants something, I don't think really means the same in terms of mm-hmm. uh, how you or I think of wanting something. I think he's just kind of like, and that's actually kind of the art of Trump through no design of his own, that he's just kind of like a a giant gaseous blob that runs on Sudafed and Taco Bell. (laughs) And um, you can see sometimes he seems tired because that blob needs some fucking Sudafed. 
And sometimes yeah. uh, he seems really like a, like he's a wound up top and it's just like, all right, well, Blobby got a Sudafed. And uh, so he's just going from place to place, uh, taking his uppers or, you know, taking a concoction. Like I'd, it would be actually quite something. I think uh, we'll look back on the the drug cocktails of Trump at a later date and and be quite blown away. Kind of like Hitler, you know, wasn't Hitler kind of like, I mean, I'm not this uh, Trump is Hitler guy, but like, wasn't Hitler on a, a big cocktail of uh, like yeah, th- there's methamphetamine a, there's a, and, and stuff like this? There's a clip of him at the Olympics when he was like sitting in his box and like he's just tweaking on meth. Like he's literally shaking back and forth. So I did enjoy the, the post-COVID trump that's all jacked up on steroids and they just like sent him out in the world <laughs> oh, yeah yeah he's like, like Ooh. I, yeah like he was fired up like yeah and you could just he, tell the his asshole was burning in a in just a very specific <laughs> way not the general taco bell kind of way but he was uh yeah an so, extra jump in his step <clears throat> yeah it's yeah. just like it's just amazing like to jack up a president on steroids and just send him out into a re-election campaign is a bold move especially yeah. for him like but yeah, I think, so I think Steve, your point that like trying to find uh, rhyme or reason in the madness is not necessarily the right way to go. But obviously, he does have a campaign behind him, and there is a structure, you know, behind him. And I think that I think that people can get through to him. I think the the the, the, the second debate performance shows that you know maybe it was the muting of the mic, maybe they didn't give him all of his pills or whatever it is, but there was there's a change in, in tone and tenor. Like he can do that. It's not, it doesn't work for his base. It's not when he's sort of at his best for his base, but I think that there is something there. Um, but yeah, I mean, at this point, the people that, that go to those rallies, the people that, you know, maybe they're going to be disappointed by the performance that they see, but I don't think that that's swinging votes. Um, we talked about, or I alluded to at the beginning that I think, you know, we think, turnout is probably going to be the name of the game and i've seen uh, numerous stories about mail-in voting is up um i've seen it on both sides when i look up my twitter and uh follow the you know the right wing and the left wing kind of sources and stuff and some are saying oh republican turnout in the mail-in uh request for absentee ballots is through the roof and who knows we'll see but uh, Steve, I'll go to you because you brought it up in our little pre-show conversation. Uh, the role of the the role of the court could could be big in uh, in counting all of these ballots. Uh, something that we kind of saw a little bit in what was it, Gore Gore Bush? Actually, interesting you bring that up, Brad, because uh, Justice Kavanaugh uh, cited the Bore v. Gush. Vor v. Gush. I'm trying to re-remember. I think it was Vor v. Gush. I don't really remember those times. Um, but he cited this in a, his recent opinion that would actually it's, it's holding the door open for uh, votes to not be counted after election day. He cited that uh, case because that went into the Supreme Court, like he said, incorrectly. I might add, he's taken a lot of heat over this opinion that he's written. It's almost like he's so, not qualified for the position. Can you give me a background on the opinion? What was the, what was like? What was he dis, like? What was the case that was brought before? Because I don't actually know. 
Listen, there's a few states, uh, and listen, like if you're coming to me for specifics, like I read some stuff and <laughs> I'm not, later I don't forgot. Need specifics, I need no, no. There's some, there's over. there's a couple states right now that are have gone to the Supreme Court, and they're looking for their decisions on the matter of whether or not we can count uh, mail-in votes that are uh, addressed, postdated on election day by arrive or are counted after election day right right which is uh, becoming a controversial idea because i think trump kind of led with that one he's like the fullback that uh, was kind of tripped over himself and fell into the offensive line so that his uh you know running back could then trip over him i guess but uh football for you folks. I know Sunday's coming up. Maybe you're even listening to this on a Sunday. But uh, anyway, so um, this idea that uh, votes can't be counted after the election. So there's the Supreme Court of the United States has has started to hear some of these cases. And and I forget which state he was talking about specifically. Might have been Michigan, Wisconsin. Sure. Anyway, he took a lot of ones anyway, or one of the important ones. He he took a lot of heat because he said, you know, he doesn't want the decision to come after election day because it could become controversial to use a football analogy again uh listening to the pre barara podcast they said well that's like saying that a football game can't change score after the third quarter you know it doesn't actually it it makes no sense so the opinion that he wrote actually took a ton of heat he even had to go correct it uh it, it was almost as if though he's unqualified for the position and may he may even like beer I don't know if you guys knew that or not, but um, I love beer. <laughs> this guy likes beer, and I guess he likes to uh, write opinions, Supreme Court opinions. While he also allegedly likes few... to thrust himself upon uh, women in his younger days, but sure, yeah, allegedly. of course, yeah. Um, so that's taken some heat. Uh, um, people, basically, law scholars said his his uh, his use of precedence in the Bush v. Gore case was actually incorrect because the justices at that time actually wrote into their arguments that this was not to be used as a as a precedent because it was so unique uh, and hmm. so then to use that as a precedent is actually like a pretty big mistake he actually he even had to go correct his his uh, um, opinion because he got some states jumbled up like I do but I'm not a fucking Supreme Court justice writing a, you know, a opinion, a law, a matter of law that could last for generations. So yeah, but you, you could be, you sound like I, you mean, apparently you meet I could be, you mean like beer, Steve. I like tequila. Oh, oh no, 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 not, no. not a, not a Mexican drink on the Supreme Court. No, thank you. Not <laughs> yes, no, yeah. Yeah. I can't have that. Um, so anyway, and then I, I think even more notably than the gaffaw of Kavanaugh, um, I just Ayo. did that on the spot. Um, was uh, Judge Alito wrote a, uh, not a decision but an opinion, I believe, and I could be corrected on this, but that left the door wide open for post-election decisions on this matter by the Supreme Court. He said, we're not, we don't have enough time to rule on these cases right now of whether or not this should be allowed, but we are very much willing to do it after the election. Oh, how so nice. He's, which is nice. And guess how what happened after the, 
Yeah, guess what happens after the election? Amy Coney Barrett enters yeah. the lineup. She she's already of, in. She's in as of what last. But she's week? not. She's not making. She's not currently reviewing. Right. Supreme Court okay. decisions. Yeah. So yeah, she yeah. will be in the in the robes lineup, bottom of the lineup, I imagine. Hmm. So rookie, you know, yeah. gotta carry the whatever. Carry the. Uh, they don't wear wigs. What do they have? Jock straps? I don't think they have jock straps either. Energy drinks? What are they, wear- what are she they wearing? She fills up the water bottles with yeah, energy Yeah, she drinks? fills up those. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Who knows? But, she she uh, shines the gavels. I don't know. <laughs> that's right. So she's uh, she'll be in the mix. And um, that, of course, is really good for people who don't want votes to be counted. And the mm-hmm. people who don't want votes to be counted are the people who are about to lose and still claim victory using an arm of uh, the the arm of the Supreme Court, which is uh, like moderately frightening. You know, mm-hmm. hey, listen, I woke up this morning and I had my oats like every other day. I got into my oat bag and it was fine. But like, we'll Steve, see what happens. Steve here, does folks. live in a Steve does live in a barn. He wakes up and eats his oats and his hay. And if he jumps over all the hurdles in record time, he'll even get a shiny red apple. But if he he breaks his leg, we will shoot him on this podcast live on the air, (laughs) live on the air. (laughs) That's right. Um, Yeah, that is. I mean, this was the whole thing with um, bringing a new justice in before the election, right? Like this has been the whole talk about this when it since it happened and we saw the the blatant hypocrisy of all the republican senators that refused the merrick garland uh nomination and then rushed this one through so it, it is an unsettling thing and when you look at um the justice department itself with william barr that seems to be sort of beholden to trump um there is concern you know that that some of these voting issues and, and having a, a massive amount of mail-in votes in states that maybe not necessarily uh, equipped to handle them, it could get messy. So what do we think about this? I know in the last time, Steve, you weren't here, but in the last time, uh, the last podcast we did, um, we did, we, we did talk about the specter of unrest and all, and all of this kind of stuff. And so I would say I would revisit it again. Uh, Coleman, you said uh, at the time that you were kind of, throwing water on the idea of, of large scale unrest or even pockets of unrest or whatever. We didn't really quantify the scale of unrest, I guess. But when it comes to not knowing the results on the day, which isn't really, you know, it's not like historically abnormal. This has happened before. I think it was Kennedy Nixon. And then obviously the one, the one that we just talked about, what was it? Uh, Gore and Bush uh, decision, but um, I that was the that was the porn parody of the the Gore Bush <laughs> trial. <laughs> a lovely film, a little tame as far as porn parodies go. I'll yeah, say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Although in that one, you do get to see what's under the justices' robes. Ooh, ooh! I'll oh, leave it at hello. that. It's it's yeah. worth dusting off your old VHS players for that one. <laughs> there's uh, a few, there's a few shined up gavels in that one. <laughs> uh, uh, maybe a wig or two, not in the places you'd expect. 
<laughs> yeah. The the Bush was not referring to the president in that one. Yeah. Uh, anyway, having lost my tra- train of thought completely, I I mean I guess my my what I was going is what do you expect to see like. I mean, I guess we can't, like, it's kind of a shitty question to ask you guys because, like, who knows, right? Like, it could be a landslide. The polling is another thing that I'd like to get into, and maybe we just go there rather than trying to speculate on what may or may not happen if the results aren't known. Um, But the polling, you know, everyone still has this, like, traumatized, I think, uh, view of polling from 2016. But from what I read, you know, and 538 is kind of my go-to, in terms of polling, it seems like more state level polling is being done and people are trying to map out those important races more. Um, everything is still saying Biden. Everything is still saying, um, you know, 80 percent chance, you know, that 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 Biden takes this thing. But. I don't know what it what like what. It, I don't really have a question here, guys. Well, how comfortable are you with 80 uh, percent? Yeah, exactly. Not exactly. <laughs> that comfortable. Five five thirty eight is actually Biden's up to ninety percent now today. Like he just hit it today for the first time. Um, I think a lot of people are gun shy, but there's like a misconception about like what the polling was in the twenty sixteen. Like, they made it seem like Trump was like a ten percent, like ten uh, percent chance of winning. When actuality, like five thirty eight had him a little over thirty, I think. So mm-hmm. like it wasn't basically they said like he had one one path to victory and if he he like uh, he hits a jackpot and takes this these states like he'll win like it's it's within like a, a reasonable chance and he did and he has the same thing this time is like but it's a much smaller window that um and i go back to basically kind of what i said last time is i think the only way that they can use the supreme court to steal this election is if it's very close like bush v gore and it just doesn't seem like it's going to be close enough to do that. And then the other part of me is maybe I'm being naive, but I still, you still like to think that even the Republican Party is not going to be willing to steal a lopsided election. And that might be, and that I could look back, we could do a podcast in December and be like, wow, I was really wrong on that. <laughs> they, stole, they, they stole the shit out of that election. So maybe it's just the, the naive, naivety of me. I don't know if you pronounce that right. Um, no, no naivety, naivety. I believe it's not na- nativity, nativity scene. You need to be is... way more uh, pretentious. Naivete. I'll go put my sweater vest on. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I think it's just you just kind of trust that that isn't going to happen. Um, but I guess that's but... also the question: is like seeing you know the justices that have been put on the Supreme Court and the decisions or opinions that they're writing, seeing William Barr and the decisions he's made with the justice, like how much trust do you, should you have in, in that? And yeah, I don't know. I I think there's there's definitely a, there's definitely a, a logic to planning for the worst with this administration too. And just kind of hoping that it doesn't happen because like we've seen time and time again, like when you think like, they're not willing to do something they do for like no reason. Like you go back, I think everyone forgets about that time that he wrote a circle on a weather map with a Sharpie <laughs> and like broke federal law doing that. So Just maybe so that he wasn't wrong on his forecast prediction or something. Yeah. And, and that was so dumb. Cause like we would, 
like we cut that guy so much slack on these scandals. Like we would have let that one slide, no problem. Like if he just would have came out and said, "Oh, I was wrong," like the news stories would have been like, "Trump is he showing a softer side? Is he uh, yeah, a more reasonable?" Bent over backwards to be like, "Oh, look mm-hmm. it, look it, maybe yeah. he's reasonable." Mm-hmm. I don't know, Steve. So, what do you? It sounded like you wanted to jump in there. Oh no, I mean, <clears throat> I largely agree um, with Coleman in that I disagree with Coleman. <laughs> Good God. Uh, <laughs> And I'll leave it with that because it sounds like he kind of disagrees with himself. So I'll no, I'm just kidding. Um, oh, it is hard to it is hard to uh, you know parse these statistical uh, likely abilities or is it likely ability? I don't know. Hmm. But um, yeah, like so, let's say he has a ten percent chance of winning Donald Trump. Uh, 10% chance of, of pulling down the legitimate victory, which, I mean, it's important to know that 538 does their modeling. It's an aggregate model base, but they do it based on if this is a legitimate election, right? And mm-hmm. all votes and all votes are counted, right? That's their, that's their kind of working theory is that it's legitimate. So let's just say it's 10% chance of legitimate election victory for Trump. That means that and I, I haven't seen them say this. I haven't seen anybody say this, but what, what is the number? What's the percentage chance that it's close, right? And mm-hmm. I think the thing where I disagree with you, Coleman, is that I think that the term close is actually like a larger number than you might give it credit for. I don't think it needs to be at the level of uh, the Florida revotes of 2000, where it was, you know, whatever difference of hundreds i think if it's legitimately close the race is within you know i don't want to put a number on it but if it's not a blowout then trump and his team will exhaust ways to um not leave and he's got two months to stay in there and 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 you know i don't really think that the supreme court is is uh, basically a tool for him to use, that, but um, like but I don't think that in they're his at his disposal. But it leans in his favor, and I think that that could come into it. And I think uh, that um, you know the Attorney General Barr is the worst, most corrupt uh, figure to to take up that mantle for in in, in ever. Uh, and I think he could have some stuff to say about it. And and, um, you know, the last two, I think Kavanaugh and Coney Barrett are both people who are out of their depth in terms of the position on the Supreme Court. And I think they will um, act in a partisan way to uh, whatever they whatever that turns out, whatever that turns out to be. Right. So, I mean, the hope is obviously that this isn't close, that it's a total blowout. That it's the biggest blowout in history. Uh, and then I don't think we, like you said, Coleman, I don't think we have anything to worry about if it's a total blowout, right? There's yeah. just no way that it's a blowout. And then we, that the American, you know, the different institutions in America, including the military, the secret service, whatever, if it's a blowout, there's no way that Trump stays in office. But there's but just like, those, these little numbers that are just like, hey, 10%, that's not that. That's not that small, you yeah. know, maybe 30% that it's close. Well, that's mm-hmm. really not that small, right? Well, so, and I like your point we'll that like, what is close, right? Like, is it a million votes? Is it 
2 million votes? And what is a blowout? Is a blowout, you know, Florida's right. clearly, you know, up 80% blue before the mail-ins have even, you know, counted? Like, I don't know. that you're. I, that's an interesting point that we haven't really defined those terms. And I wonder yeah. what, what is the threshold of, hey, maybe we can, maybe we can prolong this. And I mean, it's kind of the Trump MO is just throw things into the courts and try and outspend your other side and just like grind it out in lawsuits. So yeah, that's, that's how it appears, but it's, that's actually a uh, gas leak. <laughs> Another fart that's joke. Just, yeah. That's just uh, but gas just emanating and uh, they find their way into the courts. Mm. Let's <laughs> go back to uh, it seeps. It seeps, yeah. We'll let this fart joke linger a bit, but to go back to the the close <laughs> argument, I think like because the the Gore Bush one, the reason why the Supreme Court was able to turn that over is because Florida was literally the deciding or like the turning point for like the Electoral College victory. So they're yeah. close in that sense. It's not a national like a popular vote close. It's like close in one specific state. Right. And the problem Trump has right now is it's not looking like he's going to, it's not going to flip on one state. If Biden wins this, it's going to be a substantial cushion. So maybe they can overturn the the votes in a couple states, but then you're thinking like you have to repeat what happened to Florida in the Supreme Court, maybe six, seven different states. And that's kind of where they lose me as far as like me believing that that's a possibility. Mm -hmm. And it could be like they could, again, it's like kind of, you have to see the results to know if this is going to it'll work or not. But like he's behind in like a lot of states right now, and you'd have to catch up to make it close enough to make a like a, a court overturning in the Supreme Court possible. And it just doesn't seem like the math is backing that up. Because and that's like whenever they talk about American elections, they talk about popular vote, which doesn't mean anything really. Yeah, even less so than in like parliamentary systems. Yeah, and it's so that's kind of where I like I get why they people are gun shy about the Supreme Court overturning the results of the election, and like maybe I'm being like underestimating them again, but I just don't see it being close enough in multiple states to do that. So they say Pennsylvania is close enough that they they can flip that Republican through legal shenanigans. Is that going to be enough electoral college votes to make make Trump still president? I think if they're it, it, it could be, it could, but like that's the problem. Yeah, but it's not like it could definitely be. But like that's the thing with like the five thirty eight polling right now is like he's behind in so many swing states right now that it just doesn't seem likely. But if it does come down to that one specific scenario, and like we're kind of talking about, maybe I'm brushing him off like I did in twenty sixteen again. But it could be like they flip Pennsylvania in the courts and he becomes president again, and like that'd be shitty. But it could happen. But I don't see it. I just don't see him being able to close the gap in like these states, enough states in a short amount of time because he has proven to be utterly incapable of getting anyone else to vote for him outside of his base. Like he doesn't know how to advertise himself to a, a Biden voter at all. He just has no capability of doing that. Well, I mean, there was a bunch of voters that voted Obama that voted Trump. I mean, it's like. But has that magic worn off? Like, is there, will yeah. those people continue to vote for him? I mean, there was also during the primaries, I was listening to a lot of um, different shows, podcasts, whatever, interviewing people uh, during the Democratic primaries, talking about, you know, Bernie supporters, you know, 
who was the second, he, the runner up in terms of the nomination for the, for the democratic uh, nomination. Um, and where, where do they go? Do they fall in line behind Biden? Uh, the, the interviews. And I mean, it, obviously this is just a handful of interviews on a couple of podcasts. I listened to a lot of those people were not, you know, they're not going to go vote for Biden. So I guess this comes back to what you were saying too, Steve, at the beginning is how many people just don't show up. Well, um, here's the I think there is swing voters. I think there is swing people there. There's people yeah. that aren't beholden to Trump. He has his base that will go for him. And Biden has a big base of people that are basically a lot of them probably are even in the camp that, hey, Biden's not great, but it's better than Trump. And then there is the people that are just like disaffected in the sense that they're just like Biden sucks. Trump sucks. Where do we go? Vote independent don't vote. Yeah, the notion of a swing voter is not swinging between parties, it's between vote or not vote. Yeah. Right? And Trump is absolutely not going for he's not going he's not trying to get Biden voters. He's trying to get he people to trying not vote. to get 100% of his base to vote and he's trying to get you know theoretically he's also trying to restrict voting on the other side. But like not a hundred percent of people who support Trump vote, right? There's again on both sides, there's millions of people who don't go to cast their ballot and his last ditch effort will be to get those people out to vote. And if they vote in a stronger way, like they did in 2016, not that they voted more than, than the democratic voters, but they voted in kind of a more, in the different states in a more strategic way, I guess. But uh, if that happens again, where they are more enthused, buzzword time, if they're more enthused, they will, they could win, right? That's where the 10% is. So, I mean, yeah. the mistake is, I think, to say, look, he's behind in all these spots based on polling, right? Well, the polling errors, as was seen last time, last time around, affected all the polls, so it's a mistake to say that this poll is independent from that poll. So if the fact that all these polls are, all these states are polling for Biden, well, the polling error actually could, again, affect polls state by, or as a collection of states rather than state by state, right? So that's where they say 10%. He's behind in every state by the polls. It looks like it's a slam dunk, but it's not, right? So, and then it could come down to one state could come down to two states. These states could be close. Uh, the Supreme Court has issued a direction to states, I think Pennsylvania, to separate ballots that come in uh, before the election and after the election. And they said, we'll rule on it. And those votes may or may not count Ugh. based on our ruling. And um, they've been instructed to do that. We want to so, know how big the pile is first. Well, and we, we don't want know to know. How big like, the pile we is. want you to yeah. take a little peek in the envelopes and see who they voted. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. That's, so it sounds so funny. I mean, it's a problem, right? And it's it's just so weird bringing it back to the Supreme Court to hear Kavanaugh say we don't want this to go past the election and then having it determined days after because it's going to seem fishy. People will lose confidence in it. That was his argument. But then for Alito to say. Uh, could basically say the exact opposite, but still in service of Trump to say, 
listen, we could make a Supreme Court decision after the election. And that would be withheld, which would take way longer than a few days it would take to cast votes. And I mean, it would shake the confidence of uh, the world in America in such a way that would be, uh, it would be truly devastating to have a, a very obvious fixed Supreme Court ruling in favor of Trump. And the chances are what? I don't know. 5%, 10% chance, 1% chance. Too high. That's that's all of those all of those numbers are too high for me. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so yeah. I mean I, I think guess- we talk about sorry, talking about turnout before. It's like early voting is up huge. Like it's trending towards to being like one of the biggest turnouts in a while. And like traditionally that's always bad for the incumbent. So when you talk about like yeah, Trump is pushing hard to get his supporters out, but like the Democrats are also like it's kind of unprecedented the get out the vote efforts that are going on right now. Totally. And I hope it works and it seems like it's working, but I think the, the, the one thing that has to be mentioned when we say that is that the way that we vote and when we when they vote is turned into a political wedge issue. So the Republicans have been told to vote in person on the day because that's how Trump likes it. The Democrats have been told to get out early and mail their ballot in either mm-hmm. one. And so the day of the election, there's going to be way fewer Democrats in line of vote and way more Republicans. I, like, I don't think the number on election day is even going to be close. So the fact that that's been turned into how you vote has been turned into a, a, a wedge issue where Democrats are doing it one way and, and uh, Republicans are doing it another could, could be skewing that number, right? Like, I don't think we're going to have unprecedented amounts of mail-in ballots for, from Democrats or early voting, and then also unprecedented, unprecedented numbers on the day. I don't think that's going to happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if we assume that the number is just going to keep going up like a, in a linear fashion, then yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a crazy blowout, right? But I, I just don't think that's going to happen. I mm-hmm. think it's going to level off and then go down. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, well, I mean, there's there's a couple different ways that I'm thinking of going from this point here. One is the uh, conspiracy theory route. Laptops, email, I love it. Something like that. We could also briefly touch on the scenario of how does the world react uh, if there is what looks to be shenanigans to how does the world react to, you know, what could, what, what looks like it could be a stolen election. I will leave it to you guys as to where you want to go. I would rather <laughs> go uh conspiracy route. Cause emails, podcasts, emails, laptops. Okay. And, well, let me tell you, uh, we, we got the emails. We got the emails. We got the, got in the right mail. Here. Okay. Coming. Here's, here's my thought on this. Um, because to me, I think we can all agree that the laptop email, Hunter Biden email story lacks credibility, journalistic credibility. I mean, I tried to go and look at some, you know, counter sources or we'll say alternative sources kind of thing. Glenn Greenwald being one of them. And I know that he gets shit on a lot. Um, but it, it 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 still lacks credibility. What it what either way that you look at it, and I think it's anything that's coming to me from Rudy Giuliani at this point, when they've telegraphed that they've been hard searching for something, seems dubious. 
And there's a number of uh, of other dubious things about it. No one wants to actually produce the emails. The only thing that I saw from Greenwald that, that looked somewhat credible was just one person saying, corroborating the emails. One person that was on the email saying, yes, those emails are real. We don't know which ones he's referring to. We don't know, you know, like there's so much that we don't know because no one's actually producing it. So it's, it's a very dubious thing, uh, story. My interest in it is, you know, obviously they're trying to replay the 2016 Hillary emails greatest hits move and drop something right before the election and have, you know, the FBI director come out and say, oh, we got to reinvestigate this stuff. They're trying to muddy with water. They're trying to, you know, throw that shit out there. But what was interesting to me was the sort of media response to that. So you had Twitter blocking like basically all sharing of that story because they they cited it was, uh, I think it was their hacked material policy. So the material was potentially stolen, so they don't want it disseminating on their platform. I think Facebook took a softer approach where they just sort of, they let it go, but they weren't like amplifying it. And I'm, I mean, I don't know the technical ways in which they would do that, what the algorithms and stuff like that. And then there was, you know, obviously the outcry, right? And to me, I looked at it and personally, I would have, and maybe I just missed it. Maybe, you know, being over here, I didn't see as much of the coverage. So I'll, I'll turn to you guys in North America as to you're, you know, you're obviously more in tune with what the coverage was. But I felt that there was some points that I resonated with in saying, you know, just dismissing it outright and saying total, total, fabrication, nothing to see here. Don't talk about it. We're not going to talk about it. And having multiple news outlets sort of take that tone, again, at least that I saw from afar, doesn't help. You know, and again, I'm not saying that the story is credible, but I would have felt that a more uh, direct on approach of having people come out and say, the emails aren't real, you know, these emails are, or they are real and they're not saying what, what, what you think they say sort of more transparency on it rather than covering. Um, but I also see that they're damned if they do damned, if they don't, you know, they could take that approach that I would see as more credible, but in a lot of people's eyes that might make it less credible. It might make them seem like they're hiding it more. So there's this whole fucking muddy shit going on and i don't know that there's a, there's a there's a clear answer but to me that was the interesting thing about it so i don't know coleman you can start i guess what was your take on it do you think that like that was the right move to sort of like suppress at the beginning and then maybe let it walk that back or what did you see i kind of saw it as you have this this administration that for the past four years has been lying consistently to cover up scandals and then at the same time bashing the media as being fake news and unreliable sources over and over again and then your bold move at the end of a campaign is to produce these leaked emails and then shop it around to these news outlets expecting them to carry your water for you after you've been spending the last four years just bashing them nonstop. Like it doesn't make any sense on any level. Mm. It's like the it, like the boy who cried wolf thing. It's like I think the American electorate is like used to this bullshit coming out of the Trump administration over and over again. So I think it just landed 
this, especially because it's Hunter Biden again. They've done this over and over again with Hunter Biden specifically, and it's mm-hmm. emails again, which they did with Hillary Clinton all the time. It's like, we've heard this story before. There's no reason to believe it. Um, and I think there is, you kind of see a pushback with a lot of the the big news sources in the States, like CNN and um, the uh, just the way Trump was interviewed by 60 Minutes. Like they're, you can tell they've kind of taken this, this criticism and this these attacks that have been fired on their like them and their their coworkers seriously and they're kind of taking a standoffish tone towards Trump where they're being aggressive and questioning him on things mm-hmm. and they're not reacting very well and you can argue whether that if you're supposed to be an unbiased news source if you should be reacting like that to a president like Trump but he is attacking the like the like the press is like a, the freedom of press is a huge thing in the US it's like one of the founding like pillars of their democracy and just to see like a lot of them didn't report on the story a lot cuz you can argue that yeah like it the story itself didn't deserve a lot of a lot of coverage and then some of them did attack it outright as being like completely completely ridiculous and then it kind of comes back to do you is it worth giving these stories a lot of airtime at all? Because it kind of adds legitimacy to something that's clearly not legitimate. And mm-hmm. if you break it down a lot, you're not really helping anything. You're just giving these psychos like more of a more legitimacy by talking about it. Yeah. So I don't know. And then I, I kind of wonder how big this, the, the email scandal really hit outside of like people that follow it on Twitter anyway. Mm-hmm. People that actually knew, like people that aren't on Twitter following like political hashtags and stuff like that. I wonder if it even like hit them on any level. Yeah, I don't know, Steve. We'll go to you in just a second. I think that it's like um, obviously the polarization. You know, Fox News ran with it. That's all they were talking about. The other the other media outlets didn't talk about it. Personally, I don't. The idea of not breaking it down and dissecting it and showing all the ways in which it's false very clearly and you know consistently i don't see to me that seems like the right way to go and like i said maybe in the initial days i believe in the initial days that it broke that was that was the coverage where it was that it was just like we can't prove this story no one will show us the documents no one will produce the evidence so we can't you know there's nothing to report on i get that I get that that is, you know, the journalistic standard. But in this time, like if people are worried about, well, we got to, they're going to do this disinformation, so we should do something. But what is the harm in that, you know, running that, like continually running that and saying, look it, we're, we're looking into it and we're not seeing anything and we can't see this or that, you know? So I, ju- I just don't know that I agree that like just not like talking about it would do more harm than good. I think the way in which you talk about it could, you know, could help. I don't know. That's my kind of personal thought, Steve. I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely tricky. Uh, but uh, the way I see it is like, okay, so this story was brought to, I think it was brought to Fox first and they decided <clears throat> it was too sketchy for them, which Ooh. is saying something. That then it went to the something. post. <laughs> Um, then I went to the post, uh, you know, straight from Rudy Giuliani's trousers. And let's just say nothing, nothing uncredible has ever come out of Rudy Giuliani's trousers. Yeah. Rudy Giuliani um, is my, Rudy Giuliani is my favorite character in the Trump story. Like that guy's just, 
just awesome. It's incredible. It's incredible. <laughs> I mean, he's just so amazing. Yeah. The yeah. Borat stuff, it's like, sure, why not? Yeah. yeah why not do, do that? He also so, took down uh, the mob. Let's never forget. He actually has done some good things in his in his younger days. But anyway. Sure. And I mean, we can get into I'd love to do the history of Rudy Giuliani as a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, so <clears throat> to me, um, let's say you fashion yourself a legitimate kind of news organization. And I actually CNN and MSNBC, I feel like are, are kind of walking away from that. Well, MSNBC isn't really. But I mean, these are partisan type news organizations. Yeah, more opinion now. than post, news. Post-Trump, for sure, yeah. right? Because of the battles between Trump and, and these kind of uh, these companies. But so... But places like, like the Times, the Post, Washington Post, like there is legitimate news organizations. This is, yeah. yeah, and they covered it in so much as they said, we looked into it uh, and like, what do you want us to do? They won't give us the hard drive mm-hmm. that it's on. Um, we haven't seen any of this. This is the source is Rudy Giuliani, is it not? Well, no, the source I mean, was a uh, the, the source was a blind computer repair right. shop right. owner that couldn't see the face yeah. of the man that dropped the laptop off, nor the material <laughs> right. on it. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, like, what? If I you're guess they have dictation just, programs, so he probably, you know. At, it one was po- read at what point is it not a story? Someone printed anymore? it off in Braille for him. <laughs> yeah, no, I know it's ridiculous, but at what point is it not a story anymore? Like, mm-hmm. at what po- it's it's not journalistically uh, ambiguous to say, "Hey, look, we looked into this thing." Uh, it's not. There's not a lot of s- kind of sizzle here. There's nothing really substantial. Um, these vague emails are single sourced. Uh, we can't actually see them. Um, we can hear about them from a source, but that's not really how we do. That's not credible journalism. Um, <clears throat> we'd be happy to do more reporting on it if it's uh, a more um, kind of a, you know, there's more substance there. But the fact of the matter is, is that there's not very much substance. And you can't expect real journalism real journalists just because the other side is harping on it just because the loudest people in the room keep saying we we need to talk about this we need to talk about this it's like no i don't see any reason why why they should and if they do let's let's go back to the cnn msnbc angle if they do get in if that does get into their infects their news cycle then what happens is is it actually amplifies the story on the right. So no one, like you're not convincing anyone that these emails are, uh, you know, fraudulent or are poorly sourced or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but in fact, you, you heighten the degree of conversation on both sides. So, uh, and, in and, and doing that, you actually lower down the, the conversation on everything else. So, I mean, going, leading up to an election, I don't see why you would give this very much time. Now I do want to talk about, uh, Brad, you brought up Glenn Greenwald. Uh, there's people out there who like Matt uh, Taibbi, mm-hmm. um, the the Hill broadcasters, uh, led by uh, Sagar and Jetty, is really into this stuff. Um, so when we look at these media sources, which are more independent media sources, actually 
Glenn Greenwald resigned from his own. Yeah. From the intercept. Um, yeah. Yeah. From the intercept, the, the company started co-founded. co-founded to go to Substack, which is the independent kind of journalist, uh, Patreon you know, kind of can, thing of journalism. Yeah. 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 So these people fashion themselves independent thinkers, but I mean, basically what they've done is they've just said, and, and they've admitted as much, or especially Greenwald and, and Tristel and Sagar said this too, is like, we don't do the critical Trump stories because everyone else is doing them. Mm-hmm. So they're looking for a fresh angle stories that aren't being covered. Yeah. Right. But they're so hungry for these stories that they're, that they're willing to bypass journalistic integrity. It happened. The same thing happened with Obamagate, right? So yeah, these people shout to anyone who, who will hear them that no one owns them. But I mean, the, the ego it takes to say, this is a story. I'm the only one who has it. Um, you guys are all dummies for not believing it. Mainstream media, do your job. It, it's just, it's, it's not true. Right. So mm-hmm. Glenn Greenwald, I mean, I'm not sure if you read the exchange between him and his editor at The Intercept, which caused him to resign. But he's he's he resigned on, on the basis of the fact that he was uh, censored by the editors at The Intercept. And he said that his contract said that he had the final basically edit on his work and he'll, he'll publish it, mm-hmm. um, which is fine. I, I'm not disbelieving him that that's what his contract says. And, and um, basically the editor, the senior editor at the intercept said, no, my job as an editor is to make sure that you're within the scope of an honest conversation. And here's the reasons why you're not. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's, it's not, these things are not stories. Well, Grant Greenwald sensationalizes this to say, that this is because they picked off everything in his story that was anti-Biden. They censored him. It's like, hey, dude, you didn't get censored. You got fired. Right? Or fact-checked tra- or, yeah. No, he got fired. I'm sorry. <laughs> you can say he resigned all you want. But if you have a clause in your contract that says that you can have the final edit on any of your work and your senior editor says, actually, we're changing that. Cause this is garbage. Mm-hmm. You got fired because mm-hmm. he knows the next move is you're going to resign. So go to Substack, right? Like, I, I mean, I, I, it blows my mind how some of these kind of independent, and I mean, like you said, Greenwald was on Joe Rogan, Brad. I didn't, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't catch it, but I can just imagine how Joe Rogan just loves kind of going down this road with Glenn Greenwald. Mm-hmm. Um, somewhere along the way, Glenn Greenwald got a blind spot. He wanted too much for this, for, for there to be an Obamagate story. He wanted too much for there to be, uh, an angle that no one else was covering. Mm-hmm. He wanted his Snowden back and he's been fired. And I think he's, I think he's off into, 
uh, oblivion, in my opinion. Well, I think there's also like with that, I mean, there is this like, yeah, you're, that's your, that's your livelihood is finding these big things. You had this big thing with Snowden, but I think it, it's also probably, and I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to be a Glenn Greenwald apologist or anything here. I just like, you know, I agree that the story is shaky and, and all of this stuff, but you, you know, he's seen a certain angle or from the the Snowden stuff, right? Like he covered that and saw the power of a government trying to silence what he was doing. And he saw the ins and outs of the Obama in administration dealing with, you know, a whistleblower and stuff like that. So obviously he's tainted, you know, obviously he, that like there's a bias there, right? Well, um, and it's an explicit bias because he's actually said that the, the, founding principle of the intercept was a we're not going to tell our journalists what they have what they can write and b that they are very skeptical of uh the intelligence agencies of the united states yeah but so if you're gonna do that that's fine but you better be you better you better have some substance if you don't then you're a hack yeah no no, no for sure and i i don't I'm not, I'm not, I didn't want to like start bringing in the, the credibility of Glenn, Glenn Greenwald and, and, and well, all of I did, stuff. clearly. <laughs> not really, but it wasn't my intention anyway. Maybe no, I no, did. I did. I'm oh, not saying you did. Yeah, I did. Okay. Um, but the link to Rogan is the, the next thing because it, this was another sort of hot button topic or whatever in terms of, he had Glenn Greenwald on and actually I actually listened to the Glenn Greenwald episode and it's like all Rogan stuff in my opinion there's good and bad in there you know there was there was some reasonable opinions in there uh that I heard from Green Greenwald when particular when they were talking about Snowden and I I you know I respect him in that sense and that he was there he saw that you know that's his wheelhouse you know that's his thing right so sure and just like sort of broader opinions about censorship and government surveillance and things like that yeah great the specifics of the email story and them talking about biden cognitive decline and stuff you could debate whether that's a that's a rational thing to talk about or a credible thing to talk about or something like that but I'm curious too, like this again comes to this media angle because the Joe Rogan podcast is apparently one of the biggest, you know, new media sources now on in the English speaking world with the Spotify deal and everything else. Um, and he did have Greenwald on who is decidedly, I guess, anti-Biden. I don't know how you want to put that. And <laughs> Alex Jones, which is a... a questionable move let's say but it brings up all of these things and the link to the the email story and stuff is again my my perspective on it is do you is is the best is the best thing to shut down some of these ideas and not talk about them so for a guy like joe rogan who's a comedian and blah 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 all this stuff you know people are up in arms that he had these people on is that the is that the course to go is to attack that and say we shouldn't talk about these things these people shouldn't be given a platform um especially close to the election and blah 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 all this stuff or is the is the is the thing to say hey let them talk and then let's refute the the ideas 
Um, I am myself am conflicted about that because my personal opinion would be to let all ideas out into this, into the ether and the best ideas and the best arguments rise to the top. But there's problems with that in terms of, you know, we all know that a lie tri- travels faster than, than the truth and the truth is harder to get to because you have to do fact checking and stuff. So there's, there's a shit. How about gas? You, right. We'll bring it to the gas. Flatulence jokes. How fast does that travel? Um, depends on depends, depends on the on density. The depends on yeah. the density. Uh, Coleman, I'll jump to you as I just like blurted out, farted out all of this hot air uh, with no real direction as to what I want to do. But I'm very conflicted on it because I see the Joe Rogan platform. I'm not an avid listener. I listen to the, the guests that I enjoy, um, but. I don't know. There's a lot of what, what do we do with that? Like it is a, obviously a powerful platform. Yeah. I'll start off with saying like in this, in this day and age, like it's important. Free speech is important and like letting people get their ideas out. But I strongly completely denounce this podcast's reliance on flatulence jokes this close <laughs> to the election. <laughs> I, I think it's irresponsible <laughs> I think you guys are so... But we like it. <laughs> you, you're so blinded. In, well, not blinded, but tunnel vision. You only see, you only see the, the, the cheap payoff for your, your hijinks and, and, and your flatulence. You don't see the effect that it has on other people in the, in the room, the room being Earth. The listeners around you <laughs> are getting the, the, the gas in their eyes and in their mouths. And in their ears, and I don't like it, and I will have none of it. And I think Joe Rogan's the same way. Like he's a um, <laughs> nice segue. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think I do agree. I I don't dislike Joe Rogan for having guys like Alex Jones on. I think it's dangerous to to censor someone and drive them off in like the the, the edges of society because you don't agree with them. Even if like if you're like Alex Jones, you're an, tremendous asshole and you probably deserve to be but at the same time i don't think there seems to be this idea that the argument seems to be whether or not you can criticize joe rogan for having a guy like that on and i think it's completely normal to say it's like i i like joe rogan's show but i think he's uh i, I question his judgment for having these guests on irresponsible certain guests. With the platform at times yeah i think that's a completely reasonable criticism but then I also know Joe Rogan is he's he kind of plays this guy that's like I'm just I'm just here to listen to people but at the end of the day he's a he's a businessman and he knows what drives listens and obviously he's not having Alex Jones on because it's uh for a free exchange of ideas it's obviously there's a big uptick on the Alex Jones episodes mm-hmm. so why not have him on and like have Kanye wasn't brought on to have like an in-depth discussion on his presidential aspirations. Like he was brought on because he's a train wreck and like people like listening to train wrecks. But do we know, can you, can we say that though with certainty? Because what is the revenue model? Do you think he, like he's not getting paid per download, you know? Well, with, with Spotify now, he's kind of like a, a salary deal, right? Right. So then it's like episode by episode, the rating sh- well, I mean, obviously, I know, like in the big picture, you still have to you have to drive ratings, you have to drive, you know, and the, yeah, I'm sure it's but, like I'm sure it's like any TV show now where it's like you probably get renewed at the end of however many years, 
And but I can't imagine that that you know the the well I mean, I guess I could imagine, but I'm saying like, do you think that do you really think that the consideration is this episode's going to be like drive up downloads or listens? I would I would assume so. Yeah. Well, it, it doesn't even he doesn't even have to be motivated by money for that to be the case, right? He might just, but just be motivated by being the biggest voice in in podcast. Is it going to be entertaining yeah. or not? Yeah. Yeah, and I don't think you get that you, you don't get that big without taking a big taking that is like a huge consideration for you. Mhm. So it's like Well, and he's a performer, he's an entertainer. That's his business that he's been in that business. Totally. So, yeah. Yeah, it started as a comedy podcast and it was all about driving listens that way and then he's kind of I don't even know if he intended. It's like Trump becoming president, where he didn't intend to become president. I don't think Joe Rogan or started out on this podcast with the goal of being like the number one alternative news source in America. Well, and that's but but here we are at this point. This is the other thing that, like you know, um, I think is the question in the room is whether we believe his intentions and who knows what his intentions are, because being someone like I said that enjoys the show, listens to the show. You know, obviously I, I pick and choose which ones I listen to. Um, but when you, when you've actually listened to hours and hours of the show, this is what he says, you know, this is what, what he says is like, look at, I never intended for this to happen. Don't look, come to me for your political opinions. I'm just a fucking comedian, you know, but then in the next breath, he'll say something like, very pointed that's a political statement you know so it's it's kind of i guess the question too is like how much do we believe that that is genuine and does it matter and to me it comes down to um the audience being critical and this is where i think it's like i'm biased you know because when people say he's being irresponsible with his platform and etc etc um I look at it and say, well, yeah, but that's on the audience to discern the bullshit from the, from the truth. Right. Like, like kind of thing, but maybe that's, you know, that's just how I listen. And, you know, I've said this to people and people counter to me and be like, yeah, but the majority of people don't listen that way. They take it as, you know, he's the leader and they follow him. So I, I don't know, Steve, what, what's your. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I think you guys are making some very, you know, they're, it's kind of, a, I think the two sides of the argument has have been laid out well by both of you guys. For me, like, and this might seem like contradictory to what I said about the covering of the uh, emails of uh, Hunter Biden. Uh, and is there a Hunter Biden sex tape now? Ooh, let me Google right now. Yeah, we're Check gonna, we're, out, gonna take, we're gonna take uh, a quick break right now. We'll get back a, to you in a few minutes. He's a bad boy, it's called right? Bunter so, Hyden, <laughs> Hunter Ryden, more like Hunter it. Ryden. Yeah, nice. Um, so for me, you can't tell journalists to cover a story that doesn't exist. Real journalists, yeah, right. But you also can't tell these lifestyle podcast hosts or anybody who are not journalists what they can talk about, right? right? And in my mind, you know, Joe Rogan is a lifestyle podcast guy and his life is affected by the politics of the time. So he talks about it, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Does, does he fly by the seat of his pants? Absolutely. 
is is basically the entire show is just him looking stuff or having someone else look something up on the internet for yeah, him, smoking weed, right? And talking about shit. Yeah, it's it's great. I mean, he's a he's an entertaining guy. He's good at what he does. Yeah, but he is for sure not a credible source on basically anything. Right? <laughs> I agree. <laughs> so, and I mean, listen, if you're if you are someone listening to him, I do I do think I come out on your side, but I think it's up to you. You have to you have to see through stuff for for what it is. And he he's got a podcast. I don't know. He's a guy who got in front of a microphone and just started talking and all of a sudden millions of people were listening to him. Like that's, he can say basically whatever he wants. He's, you know, I, I didn't listen to the most recent Alex Jones podcast. I listened to the last one. I thought it was, you know, at times hilarious. I listened to the whole thing. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, that says something because it's, it had to have been pretty long. Right. But, uh, you know, Alex Jones is a riotous performance artist type batshit crazy human being who you listen to him talk and, I mean, like, look, don't believe what he says. Don't be on like his side of basically any issue, but you can listen to him. He can be on Joe Rogan. I think like they're kind of buddies or something, right? right? They've been apparently friends for a really long time before Alex Jones was really popular, but yeah. And yeah, I mean, listen, this guy's, this guy's a total nut job. Like, yes. And can he incite things like hate, right? Of course you can. Right. And that kind of stuff should be that's when that's the type of stuff where you'd expect a host to say, hey, you can't say that here. And actually, you also have to walk it back. Yeah. Right. And, um, you know, I have no idea if that happened on this most recent episode. I have no clue. I know on the last one, he talked about his views on Sandy Hook and he made, you know, whatever, an apology or something about his his you know, the views that he had and that mm-hmm. he no longer has or whatever. Yeah. And I mean, you know, whatever it's. Well, and uh, you can debate can... the genuineness of that apology and stuff. And that's what people do, but yeah. Sure. So Rogan can do whatever the hell he wants. I, yeah, I, I, I have no problem with the guy. I'll listen to him, you know, from time to time, but he, his, his buy-in on certain things, like I imagine his buy-in on the emails is pretty hard because he just has that type of. Yeah latch on to the uncovered stuff that is has a conspiratorial tinge to it and 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 he shares that kind of uh you know that sensibility with the greenwalds of the world i don't i mean i'm lumping matt taibbi in but i actually i don't know i got really you guys familiar with matt taibbi's stuff i got really disappointed with him uh when he covered uh obama gate and the flynn the Flynn stuff. He just, he, he mm. was totally off his rocker with that. But anyway, like these type of independent journalists, Substack people who have gotten a lot of notoriety for their work. Like, uh, you know, these people have the same sensibility to kind of find uncovered stuff, but Joe Rogan just doesn't actually investigate. He just listens to a few people talk and he's like, yeah, that's my guy. I think right? if you listen to the Rogan podcast with any regularity, you can kind of see that it's like there is a little bit of like he's just on board with whatever is being presented to him at the time, you know. 
Yeah, he does look back on some guests and and some things about some things, but for the most part. But so then this is my uh, the next sort of thought I have about this is it kind of reminds me a little bit of the uh, the debate with the social media companies about, you know, it's like we're not publishers, we're just platforms. And I feel like that's kind of what he is, too, is like it's just a platform and for good or bad, like for all the Alex Jones that that are on there speaking to hundreds of millions of people. There's also, you know, um, the the guy behind the Social Dilemma documentary is on there, like just now, talking about the dangers of uh, social media and, and these kind of things. There's also, you know, the top, you know, some top scientists and in some in some interesting fields. I mean, obviously, those are the ones that I that I gravitate to. So, yeah, I I, I just I'm not, yeah, I'm so conflicted by it. Uh, because I do, I see the arguments for like, this is, this is bad or you shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't pay attention to this or, but at the same time, it's like, it's a great, it's a, it's, there's a reason it's so successful, you know? And I think as, as someone that got into podcasting, I will admit partly because of the Joe Rogan podcast, that was one of the first ones that I heard. And I was like, that's an amazing way to to communicate like, and I enjoy listening to it. Like I enjoy listening to these long conversations and now we're doing the same, you know? Well, that is, I think the big difference between saying that a platform like Twitter or Facebook is if you say that there's the same as Joe Rogan, I think that's the big difference is he's having long form conversations uh, and he's, he's able to mediate it and he's able to, if he hears something, but this is what I'm saying is like he doesn't meet like he's not responsible for what gets said on his platform in the same way that Twitter and and, and Facebook and stuff like this are are not responsible yeah. for the shit that get that gets said on there, you know. That's a weakness of his, but that doesn't change the fact that he is a a guy or you know a person having just having a conversation with someone is recorded, right? These are thoughts that are recorded. They're thinking in public, yeah, right? There's no, there's nothing wrong with that. You could, I mean. I agree. So that, that's my take anyway. I'm, I'm a, a, you know, proponent of free speech. I understand there's a line when it comes to inciting hate or whatever, but um, to me, that's, I don't see a lot of that on, on the Rogan podcast. I don't know. I don't, I don't see hate. A lot I don't. I don't see a lot of hate there. But um, well, that's the only line, right? The well, only what about line you can what draw. about health information? You know, that's the thing that gets me about the Alex Jones stuff is the 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 vaccine. You know, they and I again. I also I too didn't listen to the, the to the latest one, but I saw some of the stories that were coming out about it, and in the you know um, vaccine scientists, doctors that I follow on Twitter that are, you know, the top in their field and trying to combat all this misinformation who have actually also been on Rogan, the guy by the name of mm. Peter Hotez. Um, these are the stories that I saw coming out of that latest Alex Jones one is they were talking about um, vaccines, polio vaccines in Africa actually causing polio, which mm. does happen, you know, but they're taking that and you know, Alex Jones point is these things are fucking giving people polio. We got to, you know, we should be not trusting Bill Gates and stuff like that. So it's like, right. To it me, takes that's the a kernel dangerous. of truth. Yeah. It takes a kernel of truth and, and misrepresents it and stuff like this. So to me, there's a danger there. It doesn't have to be hate. 
there is a danger there, but what is, you know, what's the, what's the line on that, you know? That's tricky. I don't know. I honestly I don't, don't even know have either. a response for that. Yeah. But I've, to me, I always err on the responsibility of, if you're listening, if you're, if, if Joe Rogan is your doctor, you're fucking if Alex Jones yeah. is your doctor, you're fucked. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if anyone's listening to this podcast and those people are your doctors, you're fucked. Right. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Cool. I think like the Alex Jones thing, you might've forgotten I'm here, but I'm here. I'm a guest on this podcast. <laughs> A valued um, guest and regular contributor. Yeah, exactly. Way regular. Obviously, your uh, your metrics spike whenever I'm on. That's why I'm on this podcast all the goddamn time. <laughs> I have things I could be doing right now. <laughs> sure. Um, Making me a new fantasy football uh, avatar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. By the way, that money dried up in a hurry. Went I away. <laughs> I, was, I need to pay rent. But... Uh, I think people like Alex Jones, there's people that follow people like that and Rogan listeners. I think they have a a, a tendency to like be hyper focused on certain news sources. So it's like you're focused on one one supply of your news, and you get everything like that. And I think the way we used to do is you kind of look at news as an aggregate. So you get a story, say something like the laptop thing that comes out. So, okay, I'm going to go down my source or my sources of news and see how everyone's reacting. Then you kind of form an opinion through that. I think social media has really driven people into specific lanes as far as when they get their news and you don't get a full picture of what's going on when they do that. Mm -hmm. It's same way when you look at like election polling, if you just look at like, if you just follow Rasmussen polls, and that's the only one you do. You're not going to know what's happening. So you have to like look at a site like 538 and see everything. And you get a picture like that. So I think that's the danger with like when people talk about like censoring these news sources. If like, if like there's only one source that people are getting their news from and they're using Twitter to spread misinformation, I think it's responsible to censor that or at least put notes on it to say like, this is not right. Mm-hmm. And then maybe it drives people to other other sources and i think twitter's done a good job of that recently because i don't think anyone no one really has figured out how to uh, adapt free speech into social media yet we don't know how to do it like it's just like Mm -hmm. we've never had a a platform like this free speech was meant to kind of cover that you could go out into the town square and say whatever you want without yeah being arrested for it yeah the king's it goons wasn't meant- wouldn't come and, and take you away for standing on the street corner and saying, the king yeah. sucks. Exactly. It's like in the last <laughs> podcast when uh, like Scott Stoley said some very irresponsible things. And as a result, we'll never hear from him again on this podcast. He's gone. We didn't he's, mention he's, him, he's, but he's been canceled. Yeah. His scent remains. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> wafting. I'm, I'm getting ready to walk off because of all these fart jokes, I tell you. <laughs> But um, you act like you're above it. Yeah, I love how this is the one time, probably in your whole life, where you've gotten to take this position of being anti-fart joke. Yeah, some kind of and it's really stand. And it's disappointing. And it's disappointing because I I recently watched a, an independent film on Netflix called a Hubie Halloween. Um, by this this small actor named Adam Sandler made it. Um, it's been in some very good roles recently. Um, and they had a very timely, well executed fart joke that I recommend people watch. And it was it was just excellent, good wholesome humor. <laughs> it wasn't the the smut 
the smut that you two are peddling today, <laughs> forcing forcing upon my my sensitive disposition. But bring it back to Twitter quick. Um, yeah, I think we're we're trying to figure out how to like apply free speech in these situations. A lot of people think that you can free speech min- means you can say whatever you want wherever you want. But at the end of the day, Twitter is like well within their right to like say no, you can't say that shit. You can't spread it on our platform. Mm-hmm. You can say that somewhere else. That's fine. Yeah. But not for um, sure they're a private company. Listen, the the only thing that I would say that uh um people are bringing up as the counter side to that is Twitter only recently started doing this. Right? So if you saw um you know, like if you went to the Mahler, the Bob Mahler uh, investigation and all of the news stories that were coming out of that at the time that were inaccurate or sensationalized or what have you. And they were anti-Trump sentiment stories. Twitter wasn't touching that stuff, right? And so that they didn't say this needs to be fact-checked or whatever. And going back, uh, but that's because Twitter's gone through an evolution in how they treat this, right? Going back pre-election 2016, they weren't doing that either. Yeah. Neither was Facebook. So some people would say that Twitter has failed because they've only started doing this. And because of that, it only seems like they're really doing it on one side of the spectrum. And therefore, they're... Uh, you know, exerting some kind of influence, which I mean, obviously they have huge influence as a company. Yeah, yeah, but that kind of assumes that there's an equal amount of bullshit coming from both sides, where I'd argue that there's a clear, like the scale tips clearly towards one side as far as like this misinformation goes. Um, And it's one of those things, like they didn't do it before. You had to start somewhere with this. Yeah. And it just happens like it started now. Um, it's a new thing. So right? like y- I, th- I think I would give t- I would give Twitter credit in that they're trying to adapt. They're trying to do something. It's imperfect, but they're trying. Mm-hmm. They're doing a way better job than Facebook. Yeah. Facebook's clearly, and it kind of goes back. Like Facebook knows where their bread is buttered. Like they're not like it's not a. I would argue it's not like a young person social media platform anymore. I don't think the kids are out there on Facebook. It's like they've realized that they they do well with their user base is like these, these uh, call them crazy lunatics that want their, uh, want their conspiracy series peddled to them. And they figured out a yeah. great way to deliver it to them all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so like, like I say, I like you can argue like, do we really want Twitter to be a, a wild west of just information or like people's opinions going around everywhere? I think in a, in a perfect world. Yeah, that works. But at the end of the day, that a lot of people have like a lot of shitty people have like amassed a big following lying on Twitter. But do you want like to the detriment of society? Do you want Twitter to be the arbiter of of what is good journalism and what is not? It seems like they kind of have to at this point. Yeah, because there was a time where like you had your local town newspaper and they would print stories, and there was like the journalistic ethics code, and like everything worked good on the honor system more or less. Yeah. But now it's it's gotten so out of control that I can start a, I can start a new news outlet tomorrow because like the, the security guard that guards my, uh, my parkade found a box of letters that Steve Barg wrote to various hate groups around the world. (laughs) I can like, I can just say that 
And of course, he couldn't read them all because he lost his hands in a, in a fortunate garage door incident. So he couldn't actually flip through all the letters because he doesn't have hands, obviously. Um, but he's not so he couldn't read all of the letters. But the one on the top, the top letter was clearly Steve Barg saying that he appreciated David Duke and all the service that he's done for uh, the United States. This is right after I um, wrote a series of letters denying climate science. Mm. And he noticed <laughs> and the I just, letters. I just happen to lose my limbs, and my bionic limbs will be here soon. But mm. I'm actually a, I was. I'm, I'm actually about to write a new position where I uh, reform my opinions and retract my uh, views on race and climate science. And what I'll confirm <laughs> why I believe the letters are real, but pro support that- for fart jokes. Well, this is going to come back because I know the letters are real because they have a, a faint sulfur smell to them. <laughs> like a foul wind had passed through them days before. Man, if when you're writing letters, you got to get that dip kind of thing. And it's got a little sulfuric smell to it, okay? Oh. That is not my ass. Are you talking about your pen? Like you're dipping your pen in the ink? or No, not the quill. No, the, to seal the letter. I'm not ah, making all that. Okay. You know, you dip and dab. <laughs> yeah. So my point is, is I've started in a news source now just based on that. And then with the right hashtags, boom, then all of a sudden I'm a news source. Mm. And I think we just, we've kind of painted Twitter into a corner where it's like, yeah, now you need to police these people. Whether or not you can argue the fill like the, the, like the moral or philosophical implications of doing that, putting a private company in charge of like gatekeeping speech, but it's kind of gotten out of control to where I, I don't really see another answer to that. Yeah. But I mean, you know, newspapers are private companies and stuff too. So it's like, I, yeah, I do feel like they're, they've, they've crossed that we, that'll be the interesting thing that, that we see in the next couple of years, I think is what the social media platforms become uh, in terms of, this like, are we a publisher? Are we not? I think there'll be like sort of a new role. Like, I don't think they're going to fully take on the role of like a publisher as in like a, a news source, but they will have to, you know, have some sort of uh, ethics and standards. I mean, look at television. We have, we've made, um, we've made laws about what you can advertise, what's, what's faulty advertising and what's not like that. There, There's, there's a template there to deal with this kind of stuff. I feel like so basically anything that comes out of Coleman's mouth. That's correct. Don't mm, yeah. don't don't you put it in your mouth? I remember that <laughs> ad from back in the day. I think maybe the argument don't is you put with like, what Coleman put in his mouth in your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> That's just in these in these pandemic times. That's just good advice to anyone. Now we're devolving. Um, now we're devolving into slander on each other, guys. We got to keep it together. I know. You know, <laughs> if we, if this house falls against itself, what is left? Oh, I'm spinning off. Yeah, hopefully I'm gonna, me. I'm going to take the take the the Coleman Nation. Coleman Nation. There it is. Just branded it. The culmination listeners, and we're going to leave this podcast network and its constant attacks on my character and my sense of smell. We're going to leave. But I think as far as Twitter goes, I think maybe you could look at it as the like their censoring of this speech is like they're the the editor and like the the uh, the users are the reporters and they're like take their stories to Twitter and like the, they can take the role of like this is bullshit. We can't print this. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It's a complicated issue. 
that I'm far too stupid to to understand. Well, that we can agree on. Um, let's wrap it up here. Um, Steve, do you have final thoughts on this? You fe- don't feel the need to defend your character. Everything that's been said about you is absolute slander, and I I apologize, Steve. As the host of this show, I apologize. Well, you said it was nice to talk to me. Was that a lie, Brad? No, that was, in fact, not a lie. I am being 100% genuine. It's been a pleasure. Wow. It's been a pleasure. It's, it does feel I would just nice. Like- I would like everyone to know if you have information on Steve Barg and his various various activities, activities yeah. don't <laughs> don't go on a podcast. Go straight to the police with that information. Don't sit. We're on gonna it. mute the mics here in a second. We're gonna mute the mics Let, here in a second. Steve, I oh. will pay for it. I've been paying Coleman ten dollars for uh, Photoshop avatars and fantasy football. And I will pay for this information as well. So ten bucks, <laughs> ten bucks, <laughs> ten um, bucks a piece. If you have two pieces, I'll give you twenty bucks. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's two twelve dollars. Twelve dollars uh, if the uh, twelve dollars if the information is an affront to God. That's true. Yeah, we did put that clause in. I thought we all uh, agreed $10. that the secret email story that we were going to break was going to be about Scott, but uh, anyway. <laughs> um, well, twelve bucks gets you a sub and double meat. So, um, listen. I'd want... argue that you don't want the double meat at Subway. Why would you want twice that meat? It's not good meat. Man, it's like we're talking like I guess two different classes here. You know, some of us are of uh, fine dining, uh, you know, taste and appetite. And uh, some of us like single meat. How depressing. Yeah. Anyway. I'm a Quiznos man until the day I die. I ride or die with Quiznos. Story for another podcast. Steve, why don't you give yeah. final thoughts, what you, what you think? Are, is is Listen, democracy dead? Is the world going to explode on Tuesday? Will zombies rise on this Halloween full moon? Let's hear it. Everybody needs to go get their final meal. And if that's Quiznos, if that's Subway Double Meat, I don't begrudge anyone for anything. If that's the Twister wrap from KFC with the grill marks, that's fine. You do you. But go get your last meal, okay? Because things could all come to an end. I'm going to wake up Tuesday. I'm going to eat my oats. It's going to be a good day, okay? Listen, this is what we know. Let's take a serious tact here. This is what we know, okay? Things on Tuesday or whenever the election's called are going to take this this whole discussion of like an unrestful American uh, voting electorate is not going away, no matter what happens. So what that leads to, if that's immediate kind of consequences or if that's stuff down the road, uh it's difficult to tell. It's difficult to predict. There's so much unpredictability about the whole situation. But we know that this unrest is not going to stop with a Joe Biden uh, victory, even in a landslide. Okay. Um, the second part to this is I believe that the American voter wants a protectionist populist leader. I believe that. They got something like that with Trump, although he was incompetent, couldn't pull it off. Let me ask you guys, I'll ask you this. What day 
and I mean, you'll have to give me the date, but what event did uh, Trump have his lowest approval rating? What event in his presidency or what day kind of or, uh, came after this event? Hmm. What was the event that lit- made him the least popular in, in the United States of America? I'm inclined to say there's good people on both sides after the deaths at the Charlottesville racist Charleston. rally. Charleston. Not Charlottesville. That's that's a beautiful, beautiful town. Apologies. Apologies. Yeah. Um, Charlottesville. Ch- Charleston? No, nah, I don't think it was. Charlotte's? Charlottesville, I thought it was. Charlottesville? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna anyway, have to... but we all know the infamous rally I was talking about. I'm inclined sure, to yeah. say that it's there, but I feel like with the way that you led us, it was probably going to be on some domestic or foreign uh, trade issues. Coleman? I feel like it's a trick question. So it'd be one you wouldn't expect. Kofefe. I'm gonna say Sharpie. I'm gonna say Sharpie Gate. Sharpie Gate. Mm. Okay, so those are good, both good answers. Uh, but and then it was a trick question in that it would be on an unexpected uh, um, kind of a thing. But and this was uh, from the Crystal Ball, the Hill, and Sager and Jetty. Sager and Jetty did this report. Good stuff. Uh, the least popular Trump has ever been through four years was the day after he passed the corporate tax cut. Hmm. Okay. And hmm. it's very arguably that that is the biggest thing that he did. The maybe it's really the only significant only big policy big thing that he got through. Yeah. Right. And, and he's trying to pass through another tax cut with the, with the uh, emergency fund that's being held up and it's really the only thing he's running on. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, again, go watch the Sager and Jetty clip. I, there's a bunch of them. Okay. You can agree with them or not, but in this case, I do agree with him that America wants a leader that's going to take care of Americans first. Yeah. They want to get out of war, international wars. They want to stop being a part of, uh, uh, agreements in Europe, treaties where they seem to come out as, you know, behind. And they want to take care of their citizens. Trump didn't do that. But that's very, you know, potentially why he was elected. That was the promise. Want yeah. that. And the next person who comes along who can fulfill that or who can kind of show that the prospect of this, they either might be really smart and evil. Maybe they do a good job and it's benevolent. But it'll be interesting to see what happens after Biden and what the American people really want and who they get. Because really, there is no predictability here. And it's so volatile and interesting. Mm -hmm. Trump might be the footnote that we are just swimming in right now to whatever comes next. And I'm basically assuming Biden wins. And I'm basing, basically assuming Biden will be largely meh, but what happens after that? Yeah, I, I, no disagreements there. And I think that'll be an interesting, we could do a whole podcast on that, you know, like um, Trump was the, the, the symptom, not the cause. And those things still remain and whether Biden can uh, fix those 
not likely. It's just going to kind of paper over that sentiment. So what happens in another four years? But Coleman, do you have any uh, thoughts you want to wrap up on? Yeah. Um, I think what the choice that uh, America is facing and really the world in general, it's like it's a choice between right and wrong. It's a choice between good and evil. It's a choice between being civilized and being brutes. And no matter what happens in the coming days, I promise to every listener of this show and people around the world that I will continue to denounce both Brad and Barg and their constant reliance on lowbrow fart humor (laughs) and other distractions from what's really happening. And I will go to the ends of the earth to find out the truth of what both these men are really up to. Follow me online. I'll steal for more. <laughs> All right. There you have it. That's it. Thank you both. Also, can I plug uh, Coleman's fantasy football avatar service? You can. We did the last I time think, too. I think at this point, uh, many people may have stashed uh, Antonio Brown on their benches. And he's coming back week nine. Maybe you want to get yourself an AB uh, style name and avatar, right? Coleman's your man. Hey, I, hey, I did stash Antonio Brown on my my bench last week. Got in on that. So, yeah. Okay. I, I do agree that, well, we might disagree on many things. I, I do agree wholeheartedly with, with Barg on uh, paying me money for uh, – uh, fantasy football and really any sort of fantasy sports this is like i'm uh, baseball hockey uh basketball no no soccer i won't do soccer i draw the line there but uh yeah he's very right about this wrong with everything else but right on this all right at lionel steel hit him up if you need an at avatar for something thank you guys both for for doing it it's been a pleasure thanks brad so always always nice to hear from you guys there you go and we wait to see what happens on Tuesday. Thanks again to the panel of regular, plain old, salt-of-the-earth guys for their extremely highbrow humor that they always bring to the show and extremely informed insights and opinions. I always enjoy it. I hope you do too. Um, Happy Halloween. Stay safe. Have a good one, everyone. We will talk to you next time. Don't forget to follow the show at 2 brad for you Twitter, Instagram, 2BradForYou.wordpress.com. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a comment. All of that stuff helps. Reach out to me at BVampiridon on any of those platforms if you want to uh, send a message to the show, ask a question, anything like that. Love you guys. Until next time. Bye for now.